3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE as we are on that road to backlash going down this Saturday in Puerto Rico. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right-hand, the sometimes advocate for the now main roster-bound Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, someone who's getting the bag this week, somehow, way. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty.
1: Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. It's an especially good day today, you know, to be a to be a fan of the king, to be just to be in the in the presence of greatness, you know, in in this Laker nation that we got going on right now. It's just purple and gold, purple and gold, purple and gold, all over the place. All over the place. It's just it's just it's a wonderful day. Just just a great day.
3: I wonder why. And granted, I did predict this for you. I wanted the Lakers to beat the Grizzlies. It happened in six games. They absolutely spanked them on ESPN on Friday night. 40-piece. 40 40-piece 40 on them, embarrassed them, said goodbye. So I'm very happy for you. But unfortunately for myself, um, the Warriors could not finish business at home against the Sacramento Kings. And there is a game seven on Sunday, Monday, by the time this show drops. And the results would be one of the following. The Warriors win. They face the Lakers in round two. And this is going to bring the most beef between us this entire year. (laughs) Or if they lose... I will cry tears of what could have been because this could have been the beef of the year.
1: Well, that's what the boss is hoping for. He's, he's, he's hoping for it. So, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't need that type of anxiety in my life. (laughs) I don't need that type of like anger in my life. Like I, you know, I don't want to be at home. Just upset the kids. Like, Hey daddy, come play with me. Leave me alone. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be like that.
3: You don't want to be the man on the edge. I totally understand it. So go Warriors today. Win game seven on the road. Do it for me. Do it for the Bay. Do it for Gigi. Do it for Cali, for the Cali versus Cali matchup. The Bay versus LA. Yes, I made a rhyme somehow. We need this. I want this despite the smoke. We're going to deliver on the show for the next week and a half. We hope that's the case. But Someone who's been listening to this for the last couple of minutes wondering why did I choose this week to be here for what could be the start of World War III. But I bring hey to you, nonetheless, <laughs> a proud member of the Fight Game Media family, someone who's been on this show a lot in the last few weeks as we were in the depths of WrestleMania season. We survived it, but he's here this week as we get ready for Backlash on WrestleMania Backlash this year. I bring to you once again... Season vet Jeremy Finestone, welcome back Jeremy to all of this basketball discussion that I'm sure has enlightened your spirits hello
2: hello hello I am actually in the South Bay of Northern California and following along with the evergreen conflict of you two talking Warriors and LeBron and going to the playoffs and you know they are making it dramatic up in up in the uh up in the Golden State. However, it has been a hot minute since I've been here. Uh, last time I was here, we were talking about Cody, potentially unseating Roman, all these things that were going to happen at WrestleMania. And uh, dumpster fire things have happened since then. And feel like I picked a hot week to show up and as uh, Scott would say, chop it up. But man... Feels just like you walked in the door with the pizzas in in Community and the whole room is on fire and you don't know what happened. Just everything is going crazy. I'm ready to talk about it.
3: Well, it was a very mixed week in WWE. Full of highs and lows. Things in the middle, in between and whatnot. And you walked into a fiery basketball discussion. My mood will vary. In the next 24 hours, we'll see about it. But hoping for game one or two of our series, Lakers and Warriors. And you know who I'm rooting for. Scott's obviously biased towards LeBron, so I know where he stands. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, between time, let's dive into the week that was for WWE. And the week started with some law and order. You know, there was another lawsuit filed. Boom, boom. You know,
2: Da-na-na-na-na.
3: so we got like this vibe going <laughs> on right now. <laughs> so we have like this thing of law and order. We got the people's court theme, acapella style right now happening between these two guys, which I appreciate. <laughs> Y'all are silly, but I love you both. So anywho, we have this ongoing litigation that was filed in a court of law a few days ago by a former member of the WWE creative writing team, Brittany Abrams. And she was working for the company for a couple of years and she was fired allegedly for taking home the WrestleMania 38 chair in Arlington, Texas, AT&T Stadium. And other people were able to take their chairs home and they didn't get reprimanded, but she got fired and she was a black Writer on staff for WWE and she has filed a lawsuit against the company Chris Dunn Ryan Callahan Jennifer Pepperman Chris Lebrano Mike Heller Vince and Stephanie McMahon as defendants to say that she was going through some pretty shitty work conditions in WWE and heard some pitches that were quite offensive regarding several superstars playing into racial stereotypes that are so out of date in this day and age because I always say on this show You know, I want professional wrestling to get into the 21st century of getting out of the carny shit business, be a reputable, respectable company that wants to be in the mainstream with that billion dollar respectability on top of that. But unfortunately, based on his lawsuit, we are just diving back into some old tropes and ways regarding black stereotypes for Bianca Belair, Apollo Crews. We had a weird pitch of Mansoor being behind 9-11 when he was six years old over 20 years ago choices, bad, tasteless choices by WWE. But I want Scott's take on the full depth of this 31 page lawsuit filed by Miss Abrams against WWE regarding some of the shitty storyline pitches we have seen on TV and things we have seen behind the scenes over the last few years that have not come to fruition. Thank God due to common sense prevailing at the end of the day.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing because we we bag on Vince a lot because of his bad ideas, but look at these look at these like just awful ideas that he nicks, Because obviously he's the one who had to be like, nah, he's not going through. And some of these are just crazy, especially when you have the talent actually speaking out about it. You know, there's a specific one where Bianca Belair is told to go, uh, uh-uh, and you know, do all this. Let me get my take my earrings out. You know, the very stereotypical thing that you would see, and you know, she even tells the writer. The the black writer, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not feeling this. I don't like you know. He tells me to say this every week and stuff. Because let me tell you, this obviously this is back then because Bianca right now would be like, I'm not saying that you are not gonna keep writing for me. I am Bianca Belair. I say what I want. Like so, I, my my initial thought is, I'm actually surprised that this hasn't happened more often. To be honest with you, like I, because some of this stuff is just like. I, I, I'm, it's, I'm almost numb to it because I'm like, this is so disgusting, but I'm not surprised. Like I'm, I'm in no way shocked. I'm in no way, you know, I'm appalled, but I'm in no way shocked about it. And it's just, you know, hopefully things are changing and hopefully things will change, but it's like, this just happened a couple of years ago. And we talking about somebody being the mastermind of a terrorist attack from 9-11 and you did like this whole tribute show to 9-11 where you're like yo we're we're gonna be that first show wow we're gonna do this for america and now you want to have a storyline about a guy you know being a mastermind you know it's it's just it's ridiculous it, it is absolutely ridiculous
3: the, the two that got me was Apollo Cruz and the exaggerated Nigerian accent that we had to see on SmackDown in the year 2020 and 2021. Then on top of that, we had to see the storyline that, thank God, never came to fruition. But we saw it kind of circulate online about Shane Thorne being a crocodile hunter. But now we get the details of Reggie, who was at the time of Somalia, who's now scripts on NXT, was supposed to be hunted by Shane Thorne because that's what he was supposed to do, and he's supposed to have Reggie in a cage and torture him for fun and kicks, and when someone says, "Um by the way, the optics of this looks really, really bad and racist, oh really?" That's all you're saying, like the tone deafness of these sterile lines." were definitely a choice. But as you said, Scott, it's not surprising. It's been the kind of MO for wrestling for a very long time. But you would think at this day and age, we would try to move past it and try to be a bit more progressive. But these tropes keep coming back and thank God the higher ups shut most of this down. But the fact it was even discussed about was definitely a choice as well.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know, and don't get me wrong, Vince obviously let a lot of this like the Nigerian accent went through and he, he ran with it for a while. I mean he he had this the, the the spear and we made jokes about the spear and the scepter and all that stuff that he had and you know he had Commander Aziz as his, his general because that's that's what a, that's what a Nigerian king would have is the, the the general right there right so you know i again it's it's just this is the type of stuff that people talk about when they say i don't i don't want to deal with wwe and it's like okay you can't you can't defend it you can't defend wwe in this you can't say yeah you know but you can't say but WWE, but but because there's there is no but in this they're they're flat out wrong it's and, you know, whoever the writer is that, like, that are coming up with these ideas, like, are they still employed? Are they still there? What other, like, what other type of storylines are really being pitched? Like, this is just the ones that we know about that she's coming forward with. So I can only imagine what what storylines are really coming out there and whatnot. And the the Hunter thing, I mean, they probably would have named him Kunta.
3: Oh, God. You
1: know, like, I mean, like, seriously, yeah. like, that's, that's, that's the way it's going. That's... The, you got a dude named You got a dude named Shane Thorne hunting these guys. I, he would he had a cloak. Would he have been wearing all white? Mm. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. seriously, he's gonna he's in a cage. What are we doing? What What are we doing?
3: I am flabbergasted mm. when you put it like that because how far are you willing to go to take it to that level? And it's not surprising and. The things that were approved weren't good. The things that were shot down, thank God. But, like, you do wonder, what are the pitches? And I go back to Mr. Ali that wanted to be released from WWE over a year ago over something that he absolutely refused to do. And I still wonder, what the hell was that that was so bad that Vince said, hey, I like this for you? And he says, absolutely not. I want out of this. So it still happens to this day. And I hope this is a culture shift in WWE, but with Vince still in power in a lot of ways, I don't know, but the people listening to the lawsuit, if they're still working in WWE, they might not be working there very, very long because your name is attached to some really bad stuff. And if this does go to trial, you have people mentioned like Bianca Belair, Paulo Cruz, Mansoor, they might have something to say in a court of law if they are subpoenaed to talk in court about their experiences regarding the creative process in WWE. But Jeremy, your take on the lawsuit, the allegations and that it entails, and how really outdated the creative process still is in WWE, if these ideas are floating around that room on a regular basis.
2: So none of this particularly surprises me based off of just having a film degree and seeing in the past how collaborative writing can work, leaders in a writing room, these kind of things. This is a failure of leadership in the writing room and to hide behind the sanctity of the writing room in some way, shape, or form as the uh, as the cudgel to prevent accusations of harassment or discrimination or racism or even suggesting storylines of these things. In a way that any realistic person knows that this wouldn't make TV, but to introduce these concepts into a room for a reaction, to create some type of uh, freestyle to get to another idea, that's all well and good, but you have to be mindful that this is 2023. This writer, Ryan Callahan, when he had a his hickey fit as the lead writer and proceeded to tell, uh, britney abrams that she was the new lead writer when she objected to uh one of the pitches what the hell is that you're a grown man and you're leading a room like have some decorum this is this is a major billion dollar company you were coming up with storylines act like a goddamn adult and come up with ideas and treat your writer's room with respect That's really what I'm coming down to. I don't know because of the Friends lawsuit in 2002 where they explained that there were uh, exceptions in a writer's room because if you are not actively being discriminated and you are talking about the pitches, that does not fall under it. And they have, according to a BuzzFeed article in 2019, there are TV companies that are using this as HR manuals and guidelines to talk about writer's rooms. And this is all wrong. This can't be happening. I, in my own real-life job, had to sit down and take a two-hour harassment training to understand all the rules of harassment in 2023. When I was reading through this lawsuit, I'm like, what the hell? What, what, what the hell? And so... Ryan Callahan, Fitz McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, if they're on the Slack and Lubrano, all these other people, if they're on the Slack and they see this stuff and they do not do anything about it and there are HR complaints and there is a paper trail of all this stuff, lady, get it. Just get it. Teach, teach the WWE lesson because quite frankly, this is an embarrassment. You are a billion-dollar company. What the hell are you doing living in the and 70s in terms of your mind and how you approach this? Just embarrassing.
3: Get your money. She doesn't want her job back. The, the term of the lawsuit is basically I want my job back. No, she wants to back pay. Pay me. Pay me what I'm owed. Pay her. Cut the check and fire everybody in this lawsuit. You're not going to fire Vince, but
2: please. She may be blacklisted. That may be part of it too. She couldn't get a job as a result of this because she, you know, this whole. The whole thing may have prevented her from getting employment elsewhere, and if that had got being the case, whew, good luck.
3: Yeah, I think that was implied as well because it kind of slid her reputation as to why she got fired by WWE. And if that's for the case, chair. for a chair, by the way, for a chair, for a chair that her white counterparts no home.
2: You kidding me? <laughs> I've gotten one of those chairs. Are you kidding me? That's
1: that's <laughs> that's what we call fishing for a reason.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: For cause. <laughs>
1: that's that's all that is.
3: Oh, she took uh. a chair. She took Stone Cold and Kevin Owens, fired. Get your money, Brittany. Please get your money. And like I said, they're not gonna fire Vince, because really, Stephanie's gone. But anybody on that list has still got a job in WWE. Please be gone by the time this is over, just saying, and it's a well-deserved, I wish you not the very best in your future endeavors because your ideas of what you think is creative and cute in the year 2020, 2021, and even today, it's a bunch of bullshit, but good luck to Brittany. Very brave you to file this lawsuit because the tea in it was very enlightening, to say the least. But unfortunately, it is not surprising, considering we know this about WWE for a very long time, as I beg of thee to get into the 21st century of being a company that is above the shit at this point. And now, deep breath, deep cleanse. Let's focus on Monday Night (laughs) Raw. It was the penultimate episode before night one of the WWE draft on Fox. And the top story this week was Triple H making an announcement at the top of the second hour. He was talking about Roman Reigns' prolific run as undisputed WWE Universal Champion going on 1,000 days in the next month or so. A huge accomplishment, but Roman Reigns has benefited from a part-time schedule, has not defended the title with regularity as often as he should, and because of that, Triple H believes that WWE deserves a fighting champion who's going to be seen, who's going to be heard, who's going to be defending their title with regularity on tv so wherever roman reigns lands during the wwe draft that is where he would stay and those titles would be on that show exclusively so therefore the other show who will be shortchanged must have a champion they can call their own so triple h has unveiled the brand new wwe world heavyweight championship he takes off the velvet covering and i see I, I I hate to say this. <laughs> I hate to go in on this belt. But this is a monstrosity. This is an ugly ass belt with all due respect. It is the bastard love child of oh. Big Gold from WCW and that Cruiserweight belt from the Cruiserweight Classic back in 2016 with that globe in the middle. And they meld these two together and created this honk of crap. I am sorry, Triple H. I know that you like your custom belts. This is not one of your finest moments in terms of belt designs. I am sorry. This is legitimately the Constellation belt that I would only want one person to have with all due respect on top of that. I do not want Cody Luther King fighting for this imitation belt. I do not want him to finish his story by winning this belt (laughs) at Clash of Champions in Saudi Arabia in late May. No way in hell, Jeremy, do I want Cody Rhodes to say, this is how I finish my story. Absolutely not. Not for this hunk of crap.
2: (laughs) I never once thought that Cody Rhodes was going to win this title.
3: Honestly, I
2: have a guy for this. And I've locked on to this for a while now. And I'm going to throw, throw some blind stats at your guys' way. Something that Matthew Berry from ESPN Fantasy Football back in the day, now on NBC talking fantasy football. He would blind stat some people and uh, see if you get impressed by these statistics. There is a wrestler that has just joined Raw. He is... 18 for 18 on the main roster in terms of singles matches and wins. He is 42 for 45 in total wins in singles matches in WWE 2019. He is currently the Intercontinental Champion, and I think he is the front runner to be the new Raw world heavyweight champion and that is gunther i believe that gunther is the guy to hold this title and that there is a legitimate story down the line between gunther cody and roman reigns with those three titles and those three individuals all vying at the top level we have seen gunther have five-star matches with sheamus drew mcintyre and sheamus he went End to end at the Royal Rumble with Cody. He has been positioned at an incredibly high level. And really, the only reason that people are looking at it as a potential, nah, I don't think so, is that they want to see him win the honky beat the honky talk Man 450-ish day streak as intercontinental title. But if you put an undefeated guy, an undefeated guy who I also would add Roman Reigns has never defeated or even really been in a ring with, minus perhaps a Royal Rumble. This is the guy to belt. Everyone else, it would be illegitimate or a secondary title, but I do believe that Gunther, if he were to hold a world title, would give it the legitimacy that people look at it and think, okay, this is an equal title to the other one.
3: I like your theory. I think Gunther would be a great, raw, heavyweight champion. I like how you downgraded it jeremy not wwe it's raw to really say you know what this really is the bitch title with respect of course for now now. but i
2: do believe that if you put a put the belt on gunther and he has matches like that he has and he holds on to that title for a legitimate period of time i'm thinking for at least a year maybe through wrestlemania you have created a new legitimate world title
3: give us some prestige and shine to make me somewhat care about it I can't care about it from the eye test alone right now because it's ugly, with all due respect. I
2: think the title is beautiful, but that's just me. And I'm sorry, Kila. We don't normally disagree, but we'll throw down on this one. That's a good looking title.
3: I respect your opinion, Jeremy. We're still I don't think friends. You do, but I but I'm okay. We're still friends.
2: <laughs> that I can agree with. We're still
3: friends. <laughs> There's still love here. Our tastes and belts are just a little bit different. And we're still good. I love you. Virtual hugs oh, from here. Good. Okay. Now, Virtual S- hug. Yes. I feel you. I adore you. Now, Scott, my ride or die. This is on you now. We have to <laughs> double team Jeremy. Now, do you agree this belt is hideous? Or are you on team Jeremy? And your thoughts on this creation of the secondary title that Cody should never vie for, but I have a good idea who should. After you give me your thoughts on this entire situation.
2: First of
1: all, okay. First of all, a couple things. <laughs> okay, let's start from the top because you—it's a lot of lots to unpack right here. Okay, we got a lot to unpack. First, you of had all, to
2: check that baggage before. Yeah, before
1: you yeah, you know, <laughs> had to check the weight. You know, had to make sure it was under the weight. You know, there's a weight limit with this baggage stuff. Hey, so, first of all. That belt is not ugly. I I I, I can't agree with you, Keila. I, I, I like the belt. I think it's a solid belt. When I first saw it, I was like, uh then I saw the nice up close visual of it. You get the details in it. It's a nice belt. I think it's a nice looking belt. It's not up there with like AWs or the uh the IWGP. I don't think it's that good, you know, but I think it's a solid belt. I I think it's probably it's probably the best belt WWE has since they don't have the UK titles anymore. So, um, secondly, as far as the Cody Rhodes thing goes, I let me tell you something: CLR better never touch that gold. <laughs> oh okay, God. all right. CLR better never smell that gold. He can be in the matches. He can come up just short every single time. But the only man that CLR, CLR is beating. Is the tribal chief? That's the only man that that dude should be beating for the yeah. title to finish his story. That's, I mean, anything less is is a disappointment. Like even he can't win that title. Like it, he cannot win that title. That um, the Gunther thing, I think that's a great idea. I would, I wouldn't even care if they gave him both belts. Why not? Let him have it all. Mm-hmm. They're not going to. But I, I think that's a great idea, especially with him with Imperium, that group, that faction. It just builds it up. I think they're going to go with Seth Rollins. It just seems like you know he's a guy that I feel like the only reason he hasn't been champion the last few years is because of Roman. Like I, I feel like if there is no epic Roman Reigns title run, Rollins has at least at least two runs in him in the in the last three years. So I, you know, I, I think Seth Rollins is the guy you go with. He's somebody that the crowd is firmly behind. I saw a video on, on uh, Twitter of a house show where they sang his song for like three minutes straight. And he's just standing there in the middle of the ring and the Miz is over there pouting, waiting on his turn. And Rollins just standing there taking it all in. So you got to go with the hot hand. I think they even go with the match that the, you know, the big rumor was for the title, which was Drew versus Cody versus Seth. I think that'd be a nice match to have the first uh, champion crowned in. That way, Cody doesn't even have to take a pin. Drew can turn heel in the match. And we can all be on our way.
3: I liked all of that. And my answer is I want Seth Rollins to be the first WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And I feel like I'm on an island right now regarding this ugly belt. But, you know, things are very subjective and I do respect everyone's opinions. But this belt simply isn't it for me. But I'm glad that Monday Night Raw has a champion that can be proud of preferably Seth Rollins. The guy is really over right now. They <laughs> sing his song with regularity. He's awesome. He's a great worker. I would love the Gunther agenda too, but I don't want a dude with two belts either. Like let's spread the love around a little bit. Let's have dominant champions with Gunther and Seth Rollins give us a great plethora of opponents, both guys heading to the summer and fall season. I'm down with that. But yeah, this belt is a hard <laughs> pass and I'm all alone. But that's okay. I'm a loner.
2: I I'm alone on an island. Feel like Seth Rollins? Really?
3: Hey, like,
2: <laughs> you know what? what? Seth Rollins, you think it's the guy right now? Yeah. You know what? You're I right. Do. You're
1: right, Jeremy. I'm gonna tell you who the guy is. We all we all slept slept on him, you know. But we we're all on the train. I'm sure. Put <laughs> put the belt on Dominic, man. Put the belt do on it. Dominic.
2: You, well, if in WWE, he might <laughs> end up on SmackDown.
1: Think. T- take the belt of SmackDown, too. You just screw <laughs> Raw all over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Triple H made that announcement for nothing. Dominic Mysterio is now your world ever eight champion on SmackDown alongside Roman Reigns. Can you
1: imagine if Triple H handed him the title <laughs> the same way he got handed the title?
2: <laughs> Here's I mean- your new... I was, I, mean, I was completely baffled when they were talking about the legendary time where Triple H politicked his way back to Raw when he got <laughs> traded to SmackDown. So nothing surprises me about what Triple H might do on programming this week.
3: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away.
1: Yeah, this is a big miss for Triple H, and you know I do want to say something about the presentation that you that you brought up. Um, you know, I think it would be interesting if they kind of like I was watching the old draft videos, and you know where they're all sitting in the locker room and they see the reactions, mm-hmm. and you can see them. Like I, I think that would be interesting, especially if you do it like they. If that felt like that was. Like there was legitimacy. Like when you see the Undertaker looking like, "What the hell? Why am I moving, Bray? Why I gotta move my stuff?" Like that, you felt that. You could see it all in his face. Like little stuff like that would just, just make it seem more like, "All right, we got something going on," instead of it just being this random thing where it's like, "All right, let's just throw a name and see what happens."
3: Scott, I don't know how you read my mind, but that's exactly who I thought of because he got the fuck up. He- He was just like,
1: bruh, I got to go move all my stuff, dude. I just got in here. I just sat down, got my catering, and I got to go move my bags,
2: change my shirt. So the Raw title is called the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and then Roman is the Undisputed. World heavyweight championship?
3: That the undisputed universal heavyweight championship? Okay. <laughs> the
2: undisputed oh. universal championship
3: of the galaxy? What do you mean? Yes, the go- the intergalactical
2: championship. The unchallenged, undisputed. <laughs> right. No but one e- can challenge him. Now. Even
1: the names have levels to them. Yes.
3: Like even the names
1: have levels to them.
3: See how shady this is. Here, here lies your WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Over here, though, is your undisputed <laughs> champion
2: of the universe. Okay, so, <laughs> what happens if you end up with the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and then one of the other two? Like you are the undisputed Universal World Heavyweight Championship, and then there's the the other one. So, so now I'm confused. How do you split up the title when you name them? Are they, is there one that's the undisputed or is it universal and the world heavyweight? Because I've already worn heavyweight.
1: Why wouldn't you just give Roman this title and and like, why would not you just give Roman that title? Because like, because uh-huh. you're right. Like, what are you gonna do now? Like, you, as just is he's just gonna be the guy that carries two belts? Like again, levels. Are we just doing? <laughs> are we just showing levels all over the place? So the undisputed champ gets two belts while the uh, WWE heard, champ think, gets uh, one.
2: I think I heard Jeff Hawkins on Shake Them Rome. His, uh, they they called the belt trifurcated instead of bifurcating (laughs) where they just they split the power between three belts now and then one day someone's gonna have the triforce of of wwe belts and they're gonna be the true the true wrestler of of all time
1: so so instead of double dragon
3: it's gonna be like triple triceratops
2: pretty much yes got it
3: The holy trinity of championships, the trifecta of WWE title belts. But here's the thing that you both alluded to regarding the lineage. Roman holds the WWE championship, which holds historical lineage. So you're telling me that fake-ass big gold is going to be degraded whenever Roman coughs up the belts, essentially.
2: So, when was the last time we had this? Daniel Bryan had two belts, and then that became one belt. And then, in the midst of all this, Brock Lesnar, they created another belt when Brock Lesnar basically didn't give that one up, and then Brock and, Brock and Roman fought for two belts, and now Roman has the two belts that were once three belts itself. It is. The lineage is staggeringly convenient.
3: I only acknowledge the history of the black and gold WWE championship that was created in 2014, specifically for Brock Lesnar. I do not acknowledge the. Blue I honestly Crips thought I you belt. were
2: talking about the NFT title for a second, and I was like, "What?"
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just—we're uh, degrading lineages now. This is uh, but- doing a
0: lot.
1: But you know the crazy part is, you know, you you bring up a good point. The WWE title is the one with the lineage, but it's the Universal title where he's got this historic run on. Oh my god. You know what I mean? So that's where it gets like it's like cuz you're right, the WWE title is the one with the history with the, you know that has all this prestige, but now it's but this Universal title, this is the one that's on this that's on that's chugging to the 1000 days.
2: It's just convenience. It's all a convenience factor. Whatever serves the the mighty master of WWE weekly programming. In three years, we're going to have another title created, and it's going to be... We, we still don't have a women's mid-card title, but we, we have another world title. Right on. That's cool. That's what we needed.
1: Well, at least the two women holding the titles feel like the top two women mm-hmm. in the
2: company. There was a a while there I thought EO guy was actually going to win this title from Bianca, but now I'm not so sure.
3: Well, we'll get to that shortly. I thought the same thing at first, but you never know. And that irritates me regarding the draft off top once again, doing dumb shit, but we'll get to the draft shortly. But before we get to night one. Let's get to the last part of Monday Night Raw, which was Bad Bunny. Now, Monday Night Raw is a three-hour show from 8 to 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern. We were in Chicago, sold out all-state arena, and Bad Bunny decided to take the scenic route to to the shy. So he got there at around um, around 10.55 p.m. Eastern, 9.55 p.m. Central, Okay. And he rolled up just in time to see the tail end of Rey Mysterio versus Damian Priest. A very good match. But of course, we had a screw-up finish with Damian Priest, dare I say, recklessly throwing a chair at the face of Rey Mysterio. Choices. Not good. So as Damian Priest continues his beat down on Rey Mysterio, Bad Bunny finally shows up. He appears with a kendo stick and he goes to wailing on Damian Priest with said Kendo stick, laying in more shots than serrated to Britt Baker on AEW Dynamite two weeks ago, just laying in his shots on Damian Priest, sweeps him off the announce table, continues to beat his, to, to, continues to beat his ass and chases him away. And then we have Bad Bunny grab the microphone to let everyone know that he is no longer hosting Backlash in his home country of Puerto Rico. No, 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 no. And he will be fighting Damian Priest one-on-one in a street fight. He is going to be there to whoop Priest's ass and Priest's game. It's Puerto Rico versus Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico at Backlash. I'm very surprised. This is not a taxi match involving Bad Bunny and Ray versus Dominic and Damian Priest, I can I can assume they're all going to be at ringside for this match because there's no rules in a street fight. But I did like the heat that Bad Bunny got. He is really the most popular artist on the planet. He headlined Coachella the last couple of weekends. So he is the guy, the moment, the ticket seller, the most streamed artist on planet Earth. And for WWE to have this guy on your TV Pulling in good ratings for you against heavy competition via the NBA and and, and NHL playoffs is pretty damn impressive. But Scott, your take on Bad Bunny's cameo appearance on Monday Night Raw in Chicago being over and now facing Damian Priest one-on-one at Backlash without the tag team caveat.
1: I'm kind of torn on it because I thought Bad Bunny was pretty good throughout the whole thing, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous that bad bunny just shows up and is like yo I want the biggest dude I can find in a street fight what <laughs> I just think that's absolutely ridiculous that he would challenge Damian Priest of all people to a street fight because he got to hit him a few times with a, with the kendo stick like who do you think you are bad bunny but I the match will be good I'm looking forward to it I just i i'm i'm kind of torn on it because i i just find that part to be a little ridiculous i get he's a big star and he's had a couple he's had some good matches but like you know what damien can do you see what he can do and you want it. all right whatever that's fine um i i think it's very interesting that dominic and ray don't have matches you know i wonder if maybe we'll get a dominic versus sansos escobar you could do that match but like Rey Mysterio not having a match is very interesting, especially this not being a tag team match. And I guess they still have time to change it, which they probably won't. But that is a very interesting thing because what do you do with Rey and Dom? You got this hot feud. You got this hot story. Dom gets great heat. Rey Mysterio is slowly becoming one of the most popular baby faces on the roster. And not just because of his legacy, just because like the story. And he just... It just se- everything just seems to be clicking right now. You're getting a little bit of that lightning in a bottle type thing. He's got to have something to go on besides just being with Bad Bunny.
3: Could be. I'm very shocked by this as well. I won the tax. He matched it all. Honesty. This is a big step for him to be in a singles match for a long period of time, even though you got some smoke mirrors against Damian Priest. Should be a very fun match. Atmosphere in Puerto Rico should be live and hot on Saturday night. But Jeremy, your take on Bad Bunny's appearance on Monday Night Raw, and now this being a street fight not a tag team match.
2: I was definitely surprised that it was not a tag team match. I totally assumed it was going to be Dom and Bad Bunny, ex-con uh, Dom and Damian Priest. Uh, versus Ray and Bad Bunny. But maybe, you know, that's Condom can't fly to Puerto Rico considered a flight risk from <laughs> law enforcement. So they kinda they kinda 86 that one. And great point. Honestly, I thank you. Thank you. Uh <laughs> Damien Priest and Bad Bunny in a no disqualification street fight sounds like a lot of fun. And I feel really confident. With the way that they built it, especially when you think about the fact that Priest and Bad Bunny were a tag team against The Miz and Morrison uh, a few years ago at WrestleMania. So there is that kind of, yo, bro, we were friends and you you did that to me. Like, I don't care if I'm the biggest, like, recording artist in the world. I'm going to beat your ass. And I can get behind that. Just like, you were my friend. You fucked me over. I, I want some skin. Look will have it. look will do this. Puerto Rico. I can't see Bad Bunny losing this. I can see a whole lot of bullshit with him winning and I am here for it.
3: I'm here for the shenanigans by way of the LWO, who by the way are selling merchandise Ooh. like crazy. So WWE, I need you to give them some wins very soon if they're selling merch for you like this, which is insane. Love the new theme song, by the way, with the Viva La Rasa to kick things off. So You have a faction here that's been around barely a month. The merch flies off the shelf. It's sweet looking merch. We talk about it every week on the show. Push them with a W or two. By the time the draft resets itself, we have our rosters aligned and ready to go because I would push somebody that's making me a lot of money in the merch department. I'm just saying.
2: yeah i uh i am so surprised by the lwo success but i'm here for it i i kind of thought can i get away with wearing an lwo shirt probably not but i thought
3: about it <laughs> <laughs> you can buy a shirt those colors are sweet
2: i uh i think i i think i had the viva la raza we lie we cheat we steal when i was in my 20s and i'd it would be my gym workout shirt and uh That was all right time. That was all right time.
3: I love the revival and rebirth. I'm here for it. Just give my people a push and we're good to go. That's all I'm saying. You making kind of money? Hey, push them accordingly. But now it's time to talk about our favorite show. Am I lying as always? Of course I am. It's time to talk about NXT. Now, I shocked my co-hosts when I revealed the rundown on the low. And they said, wow, this is a lot of NXT. It wasn't a good show. And I will concede it was not a very good show. This was the spring break-in edition of the NXT Spectacular on USA. And it drew a pretty good number by today's standards. And there were some good, there were some bad, and there were some ugly on the show. But I want to get into some positives before we start reading the show for filth. So the first match on the show was a trunk match involving the mob that Scott is... Coin them as on this show the mob tony d'angelo and channing stacks lorenzo versus pretty deadly and for what we saw it was a lot of fun stacks is improving i will say that he has a sweet drop kick he's got the mechanics down tony d's always good and he always impresses me pretty deadly or up for anything. They took a bump in a ball pit, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. So thank them for their service on that. And they brawl in the back. It's a really fun back and forth trash battle match. You know, a lot of surfboards and beachy things and whatnot, but this really comes down to pretty deadly trying to get the upper hand on Stax. So throws him in the trunk and then Stax is going to basically spraying with a fire extinguisher. Tony D comes through. They drop the dime on Pretty Deadly through the table and they throw both members in the trunk of the car and they win the match. But their night is not over because on NXT, Walker HBK co-signs on homicide on the air. So we have Tony D and Stax drive around Florida in their throwback vehicle and they proceed to beat up on Pretty Deadly some more and they roll around town and they find the docks. And they unload Pretty Deadly. And they allegedly throw them in the water so they can swim with the fishes. So once again, NXT is co-signing a murder on the air. We see criminality before our eyes as we presume Pretty Deadly is moving on up to the main roster. This is literally their swan song in the water. But Jeremy, I know you didn't think very highly of this show, but I would hope that despite the homicide aspects of it in kayfabe, you did find some sick pleasure watching Pretty Deadly versus the Mob in a trunk match.
2: No. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I am happy that Pretty Deadly appears to be headed to uh greener, drier pastures on the main roster. It is time. They are among one of my favorite acts in the entirety of WWE. Uh Tony D'Angelo, two dimes. It was a it was a fine match, but Instead of spring break this show should have been called School's Out because everybody phoned in their final assignments. It really felt like with this show. Uh, I don't know what was happening, but everything just seemed messy. It just seemed like we got to get through this show in one piece, which, frankly speaking, that felt like urgency at the beginning, but by the end of it, they really felt like they had to get through this show in one piece. It was a fine match. But if we're going to be giving any platitudes or anything like that, this really wasn't the week for it. I'm just happy to see that Pretty Deadly is likely going where I want to watch them on a Monday or a Friday.
3: Same here. Their call up is long overdue. I love Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. They're so talented, incredibly funny, and they will get over on the main roster via this gimmick in due time. But Scott, your take on the trunk match. Do you agree with Jeremy? Was it, garbage, or you're on my side, even though you've already let me down once by praising the WWE World Heavyweight Championship belt? I... Well. <laughs> so, <laughs> well.
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs> sometimes cookie, my world, Scott. Yeah,
1: sometimes the cookie crumbles a certain way, and sometimes <laughs> it doesn't crumble at all. Um, listen. I didn't think the match was garbage, but I... I <laughs> I didn't really enjoy the match, man. And I like Tony D. Um, and I, I'm the, I, the match was fine. I, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was fine. It was just a regular index. It didn't feel like a spring breaking match. I can tell you that. Um, I, I will say this though: the, the the murder aspect thing we got going on with the mob. <laughs> what, what, what do we? Because the last time they murdered somebody, he ended up showing up on 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 AEW Dark with Swerve's bodyguard. So, I, you know, I, or no, that's not it. He's in the other group. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> I, look, I, he's in, he he's joins,
2: disappeared completely. He's nowhere to be found.
1: He's nowhere to be found. He's just showing up in random groups trying to get in. He's trying to join another gang and nobody wants him. Okay. So, I'm worried. I'm worried about Pretty Deadly because who knows where they're going to show up next. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's good they're going to show up. But, like, wh- I, I need to know what Walker HBK is thinking. With like the vignettes, the this this murder thing he got going. Has he been has he been watching Impact? Like I know he I, he must have heard that that Naomi Trinity was showing up. He's like, oh, let me check out Impact. He was going. Did he see somebody getting killed? What's like what's what's going on? Did he see how they send their wrestlers off? I, does he want to turn this into a a real Walker HBK a Walker HBK Texas Rangers show? And he's gonna like try to find out who murdered him. Like what are we doing, man? This. Not a good start to the show, and it probably put me in a bad mood for the rest of the show.
2: Babyface mobsters are so weird. (laughs) It's like,
1: what am I supposed to be doing with them? Like, why would I cheer them when they killed, when they quote unquote killed the most entertaining tag team in NXT?
2: Like, we like the Sopranos. Hey, let's make a mob (laughs) sympathetic because the Sopranos is a good show.
1: No! Clearly not understanding
3: the Sopranos (laughs) at all.
2: (laughs) Nuance! Nuance here! Come on!
3: (laughs) Now granted, I watch General Hospital and Sonny Corinthos is the nicest neighborhood mobster in Port Charles, okay? He is a coffee importer by day and I don't know what he's doing on the side at night but they (laughs) bow down, kiss the ring, and respect the king. So mobsters... Have layers, okay, tony D Brick and layer with a heart of gold <laughs> have layers, and they commit murder on the air for reasons that <sighs> boggle the mind, and I'm supposed to cheer for them choice family first, right family first hey shout out shout
1: out, shout out to the g h listeners too shout definitely shout out to the g
3: h yeah.
2: listeners and Look, oh. Ha- Hashtag Kabrina. Hashtag Sprina Absolutely.
1: For this one. Absolutely. And shout out to Philip Darnell, Nate, and Jay, some very faithful listeners. I told him I'd give him a shout out this week on the show.
2: Hot
3: damn. Look how you finessed all of that in 30 seconds.
1: Hey, listen, you, you set me up with the general hospital thing, and I was able to easily finesse that. You know, it. It essentially looked like Kyrie to LeBron game seven in the finals.
2: <laughs> you know, see. Of, it, was honestly, it was honestly surgical, Scott. General Hospital, so surgical.
3: Love it. Love it. But see, that was such a dig. At that exact moment, because you have the audacity to spring on me. Game seven of the NBA finals, Warriors and Cavaliers. And I despise you for that reference. Shout out G.H. Hasprina. But still, you tried it. There we go. You tried it. And the fact that Jeremy knows the hashtag too, frightening. So all of you are in on it now. And I love it. The proper agenda.
2: That Katrina.
3: Oh my God, you know <laughs> too much, Jeremy. <laughs> he knows all, all up in the tag too. You little spy. Uh, that's great. I love it. Taste levels. Solidarity. See, I support. I support you. You support me. It's making me cry right now. I'm very emotional. <sighs> Despite the disagreements regarding this show but I think we're going to be in alignment very soon regarding spring break-in because what I'm about to do here is going to be half praise half shade so next up was Lyra Vicaria versus Cora Jade pluses I like Lyra in this match she was very good she had clean offense she later kicks in nicely love the locomotive northern light suplexes on Cora Jade she was showing out I like Lyra a lot. She has potential, great star presence, and I think she can be a star. However, Cora Jade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Kendo stick finish. Did not care for it. DDT, weak-ass finish to a match that was going pretty good until the end. But this is all about Lyra, and hopefully she gets a push post-spring breaking in Battleground. But, Scott, your take on this match. Is my assessment correct or am I off again?
1: A couple things. First off, you already know what it is, Cheddar Biscuit for the Kendo stick with Cora. <laughs> so we already – let's go ahead and get that out the way. First off, you already know what it is with me and Cora and the Kendo. So there's that. Um, secondly, a second Cheddar Biscuit because – I'm not gonna piss off Braun Breaker, so there's a second cheddar biscuit for that. Um, no, I, I think you're spot on about this. I thought Lyra was great. Like I thought she looked really good. I thought she stood out in a great way, and I hope she's somebody that NXT and and, and HBK really decide to get behind because I think there's something there. There's absolutely a baby face, a top tier baby face there. Because I don't really see a need for Roxanne to be there too much longer and I you need somebody to fill that and I think she'd be a perfect fit. Um Cora is I mean this is who Cora is though like you know I, and I but I I I think a lot of this is just the women that are in NXT right now there's not a lot of veterans. So a lot of these girls are plateauing and that's not I don't I don't put a lot of that on them as much as I think they need you you need different and more talent to work with. You can't keep working with the same people and expect to get better. That is literally insanity. Like to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Like, you got to work with different people. You have to work with better people. Talent that works different styles. Like, nope. who's who in NXT is working like an Asuka, like an EO Sky? Nobody. Like, you're not getting that. You know, who's working like Bailey in NXT? Nobody. You're not, you're not getting that top tier talent to work with them. And I do think it is affecting things because Cora has not improved. She made a nice little jump at the beginning and there hasn't really been much there in the ring. Character wise, I think she's spot on. She's got, but in the ring, she's no Tiffany.
3: Oh, we'll get to Tiffany shortly as well. But yeah, I think there's been a wall that's been hit. I know that she's been hurt and that could have delayed her progress as well, but you've been in the system for a while now and I have not seen a lot of growth in the ring and to me starting to get a little concerning because I was riding for Cora Jade, maybe this time a year or so ago, I was like, I'm on the Cora Jade train. I want her to be the next champion, but you have to be able to show up in the ring and put in the work and get better. And I have not seen that yet. I can give a little bit of grace due to injury, but at some point you have to get over the hump and that takes working on the road, working with different people and getting out, of this system mentality which is really a problem in nxt as a whole right now as we get to the injuries that have plagued this brand as of late but jeremy your take on this match lyra valkyria versus cora jade and whether or not you thought lyra was a standout in this match
2: honestly i've seen i i've seen my fair share of lyra valkyria valkyria matches this is the worst one i've ever seen and i i don't say that lightly cora jade she did she she has the look of a WWE superstar. She actually looks a lot like AJ Lee to me right now. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. But this began a theme of just like low-quality matches throughout the night that really disappointed me in, in general. Uh I, I believe that both of these individuals are are capable of better in the ring than what we saw. I am glad that the feedback that I'm seeing from other people they were positive on Lyra. But this was not a good match for her. Uh there, there was almost an aspect when I was watching it where if in like dance, you have the the one, two, three, four, the the four beat or the eight beat where you, you do your moves and a sequel to four or eight. And that's kind of how I felt like this match was being like worked. It's like they were one, two, three, four. And then next sequence, one, two, three, four. Like they were just very careful and methodical to hit all their moves. Like they're trying to make sure that they they didn't miss anything. And it felt inorganic as a result. And I don't I, I hope that they have a better uh better match the next time they meet up.
3: I would hope so as well. But Lyra, to me, despite the match not being the greatest, I thought that she was a standout and I was really impressed by her. And I think that she has what it takes to be a top baby face on this show whenever Roxanne Perez moves on up to the main roster, which could be imminently regarding Monday's draft for Monday Night Raw. As we get to our NXT Championship match involving Grayson Waller and Carmelo Hayes. I thought this was a very good match, but also it was beset by an injury at the end with Grayson Waller doing what he does. He takes a risk by... Delivering an elbow drop to Carmelo Hayes through the announce table we have some great counters by both guys in the ring as we had Grayson encounter a springboard by Carmelo at one point attacks trick Williams at ringside as well to gain the upper hand but then it comes time for him to live in that rolling cutter through the ropes and his knee buckles it gives out. And he's unable to really finish the match. Carmelo Hayes goes straight home with a super kick, followed by the guillotine leg drop, the bonnet to retain the NXT championship. And Grayson just pushed Melo off, like, off of me. My knee's going through it. We don't know the true status of his knee injury right now, but it was a very sour way to end a pretty good championship match for Melo. And I was very surprised that this match, injury withstanding, did not mean event the show, Jeremy.
2: I don't even remember. Oh, the Indy Hartwall, Tiffany Strad, Roxanne Perez, a event of that match. Yeah, it was just okay. I kind of expected more from this. Uh, Carmelo Hayes, he, he delivers and he was able to get through this match when he saw that things had kind of gone off the rails. I kind of had to watch this match two or three times to figure out exactly what happened to Grayson Waller, because I watched him hit his ankle and knee when he did his, uh, outside springboard cutter attempt but before then after he had done his jump off the top rope onto the announce table he was limping just a little bit and it was just one of those like he i felt like he kind of pushed himself too hard and that's going to be like an experience thing in the future where he's gonna have to learn like just Listen to your body, man, because you might not have the opportunity to get out of the situation the way that you did in this one. And there's a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned on how to wrestle these matches and how to get out of these matches with uh disaster, you know, looming in a lot of these cases. Um, I think a lot, I think the general takeaway for the NXT show is it could have been better. And that's kind of my takeaway on this one too. I just thought it could have been better. Was it fine? Yes, but we are what we have. A lot of programming between AEW, New Japan, WWE. Just okay. Sometimes isn't good enough.
3: Ooh, Jeremy laying the hammer and the law down this week regarding things on NXT. Scott, are you a harsh judge towards this NXT championship match as well involving Carmelo Hayes versus Grayson Waller?
1: I am. Uh, and that's just because of the talent that's in there. I'm, I'm a big fan of both. I think both are, have top-tier you know, attributes to them. And I came away very underwhelmed. Um, I understand the injury played a part in the finish. But to me, like some of the stuff was just unnecessary. Like, why did you need to do the elbow through the table? Why did this match call for some a huge spot like that? Like, you know, I, I just, again, I, you didn't need that spot at the match was, the match was fine. I don't think, I don't think they can have a bad match, but I expected a good to great match. And it was just, it was just a regular NXT match. It didn't feel special. And man, I got to say, this is the second time Grayson Waller has had a title match and not main evented. And I'm not happy about it, but I guess that's how they see Grayson Waller.
3: Yeah, not a good look for Melo either. First time on no. the and you're not in the right. main event. I was floored when they opened up the second hour of NXT. Like, okay, mm, I'm not here for this, but all right, let's give them a show. It was good, not great. I expected to have been more injury happened. I get it. But yeah, I thought the placement of this match was definitely curious, considering how the show ended. But you can't foretell anything when it happens at the time. But still, this was Melo's first championship defenses champion. You had won him in that main event spot. He's Melo. He's him for a reason. Him doesn't do second hour. I'm sorry. He does the main event, but I'll leave that alone as we get to our favorite topic on this show. Little Big Town. You know, Ugh. so little Big Town's been beefing as of late. Brooks Jensen thinks he's in love <laughs> with Kiana James, has true love's first kiss allegedly, and he sprung on love, and now he's beefing with Fallon Henley and Josh Briggs, and they have a mixed tag team match, and Brooks comes out with his shirt tucked into his trunks, and it's a horrifying visual, and thank God he takes off the shirt. And he and Briggs get into it. And Keon and Fallon had their scraps as well. And it comes down to Brooks actually getting some offense on Josh Briggs, surprisingly enough, gets a couple of close and their falls. And then Keanu James tries to cheat her way to victory by handing her man the purse. And he doesn't use the purse. And it backfires. She's getting knocked off the she gets knocked off the apron. She's on the floor. And Josh Briggs takes out his buddy for the one, two, three. And after the match is over, we have Kiana James ready to slap the taste out of Brooks Jensen's mouth. And he wonders, why? I thought you loved me. And then she tells him in front of the world, I never loved you. And she walks away and the crowd goes, oh, and then we have Josh Briggs, who just beat his buddy, one, two, three, realizing, oh, you poor simp. Look at you. Look who you gave your heart to. Now you cry on my shoulder and we can reunite all in one night. And Fallon Hill is in the background plotting like, yep, the door's open for me. And one day very soon, I'm going to confess my true feelings for him. And I am going to deflower the version, the true endgame of this shitty-ass storyline, Scott.
1: I don't care, man. I, 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 I don't care, man. Like this is this has been one of the worst things. I, 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 I can't. I, I don't. I don't know, man. The match wasn't good. I want better for Briggs, Jensen, man. Dude, look like he found that outfit on the old dirt road or something. Like, bruh, how you find a cleaners on the old dirt road to get that all white? Like, what are you doing? All right. Ah. whatever man what (laughs) is the sooner this is over the better i i I just don't care about either one of them
3: jeremy your take on the best love story in wwe
2: (laughs) three takeaways here (laughs) three takeaways here (laughs) one Every time there's a segment with Brooks and Jensen, there needs to be a disclaimer with WWE. This the following segment contains adult content and strong language. Viewer discretion is advised because this is borderline pornography setups with the way that they film this stuff. It's all the porno set up without any of the porn. And it is hilarious when you think about it like that. So Jensen has his hair straightened as part of his white boots, red trunk, tucked in shirt. And as he is told she never loved him, you can literally see his straightened hair go right back to those curls as he cries and sweats his head into Briggs's chest as she walks away doing her video game walk with the hip swivel back and forth. That is the greatest walk in all of WWE. That walk, Kiana James' walk, just that is a seven-star walk. Everything about it, just you can't teach people to walk like that and make it look that good. It was amazing. Great stuff. Sorry, Scott. This is, this is where we part ways.
3: Look at the dissension. This took it. This me, <laughs> this took it with Keanu James's 2K22 video game walk away.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Jack Off Jensen was not the part where I thought me and Jeremy were gonna part ways.
2: This is this is great stuff. I'm I'm all this is in. great stuff. <laughs> I am I am all in on, you know, like if we're gonna be unabashedly dumb, let's lean and hard. Like some of the stuff is dumb with a lowercase d. But this is dumb with an uppercase D and that makes all the difference in the world.
3: Absolute wildness. This is crazy dissension at this point in the show that Jeremy is capping for Little Big Town and Kiana James and here I am. You gotta come up with
1: a new name for him.
3: You gotta come up with something quick.
1: Gotta think of another country group.
3: Oh my gosh.
2: Spanky and the Bandit.
1: I don't even know who that is. Maybe Sugar Land. Sugarland. Sugar they could be Sugarland. Yes. Sugarland, you say. Okay. They could be Sugar. They're not even a group anymore. No.
3: They're defunct.
1: <sighs> Gotta go back in the lab.
3: Well, as you go back and reprocess a name for Little Big Town, let's get to the main event of NXT spring break in, shall we? It was a triple threat match for the NXT women's championship involving Indy Hartwell, the champion versus Tiffany Stratton and Roxanne Perez. This match was not good. I will not sugarcoat it. I will not lie. This was not good. Roxanne Perez tried her very best to be the glue in this match, but it was no avail. When she tried a springboard arm drag and no one went over, I said, then, you know what? It's time to pack it in. But the match continued. At one point, Tiffany goes up top for a flip dive on the outside. And at this point, Indy's ankle buckles underneath her and she takes a horrific bump and she's down and she's unable to get back up for this match. So we have the camera cut away and there is a hush, an absolute hush over the WWE Performance Center for a good five minutes. This is absolute dead silence. You can hear a pin drop in this building as Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton basically have to call this match on the fly. And it is not good. Roxanne tries her best to be a ring general, but it is to no avail. They blow every spot just about. Her Karana's gone wrong, just rough. The referee at one point gets call in his ear that, hey, Tiffany's going over. They have the finish ready to go. We have Tiffany land at springboard moonsault. And then Indy limps her way back to this match. She's just cleared enough to do a couple of spots to get to the finish because now she's going to retain the title. So she's going to get Tiffany out of the way and she's going to land that forearm strike to the back of Roxanne Perez to thankfully end this match. But Roxanne, despite her greatest efforts to make this possible, it simply did not happen. Indy Hartwell, she's been in the system for a very long time. I respect her a lot. She has a good personality. She has a good heart. She's a trier, but she is not very good in the ring at this level as of yet and tiffany stratton the potential's there but she has a ways to go because this was live tv this was match calling on the fly and she did not pass that test she said she's self-aware of what she needs to do to get better but this was an absolutely hot ass mess from start to finish Jeremy
2: what you call a disaster is a 15 minute match with Indy Hartwell Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton that starts three minutes before the two-hour mark of a two-hour show in which the audience is then asked to sit for another 15 minutes and watch three people in a main event in which one and a half of them probably shouldn't have been in the main event Tiffany Stratton is getting there Roxanne Perez is potentially there Indy Hartwell, I'm still confused as to why they decided to make her the champion. Even more confused given the fact that she was drafted to uh, the main roster uh, later on this week while wearing a boot from this thing. I do not want to discount the toughness of Indy Hartwell for potentially having a high ankle sprain leaving the side area then coming back out and finishing the match in order to ensure that the correct finish was reached that is toughness at a level that a lot of people are not able to achieve so all the credit in the world to her for that, but that does not discount the fact that this was a terrible match. Again, Carmella Hedges and Grayson Wall probably should have been in the main event instead. I get why, if Andy Hartwell was eventually going to be going to the main roster, why you wanted her in the main event. But, frankly speaking, this wasn't it, and I hope that they have better attempts at creating a main event with the women in the NXT main event in the future, because uh, this was a swing and a miss. A pretty big one.
3: It was a big one. I do admire Andy's toughness, because that's not easy to do, because I was really scared for injury, the way that ankle was bent, was not pretty. The replays did not help. And she was gutsy to get back out there to do the finish, at least, to retain the championship. And it's in NXT's court as to how she's going to drop that title imminently as she has been drafted to the main roster. Good for her. But I still think she has a ways to go in the ring. And she knows that she jokes about it sometimes, but I do want better for her. She's got charisma, but the end ring still has a way to go. But Scott, your take on this triple Red match for the NXT Women's Championship involving Stratton, Perez, and Hartwell,
1: completely unnecessary. Um, the injury I thought was completely unnecessary. I know you can't do anything about injuries, but why did why do you even have that spot? Like, why does that spot need to be in the match? Why do you have to have somebody take a dive in every title match? That does that doesn't need to be like the, the the standard trope that you have in a title match. I know Tiffany can fly, let her fly in the ring. Then let her just do the cross body in the ring. Why, why are you having somebody who, you know, take these kind of bumps? Like I, I just don't, sometimes I just question like why they need to have these crazy matches or do these crazy unnecessary things, you know, at this stage you're you know when you're still the and i I get it you the only way you can learn to do it is to do it but it's you need to where's the vet who's the vet in there roxanne like i i she's been doing it for a while but i don't know man i i just i don't i just don't think i feel like a lot of the stuff that they do is just unnecessary and you know you you we talked about there's the injury to Andy hartwell there's something there was a a report going around like currently because Sol Ruka just got hurt too. She just tore her ACL. Like they apparently have like eight women out with ACL injuries, which I think is absolutely crazy to think about. Um I'm trying to see. I thought I had it in here, but there's like eight women out right now and they all have ACL injuries in, in NXT. And I, I just think that's, What's what's going on with that as far as is there something going on with the training? Or are they doing too much too soon? Cause that's just not something that happens.
3: That is freaky. Soruka, Torn A C L, Nikita Lyons, Torn A C L,
2: Valentina Ferraz Torn A C L.
3: See. See? The Hell. Yeah. She could be injured, but she said she's she's not, thankfully. That is three ACLs right there. And I've seen people not on TV lately. I do wonder why. And it could be attributed to an ACL injury and this can come down to training. And I have seen videos of Soruka doing some crazy stuff and she's mad athletic and talented, but it is an absolute bitch on your knees doing this stuff. It's dangerous. Amari Miller, Miller, another torn ACL injury. It is a streak of things regarding strength and training, the conditioning, the combines, all of this shit. I think it's a lot on the women's knees specifically. And this is a long litany of injuries affecting the women's division. That's why it's so thin right now. That's why the vets are really nowhere to be nowhere to be found right now, which is a shame. And you got Roxanne, who, who might be at this point the most experienced on the show, not named Katana, Chance, or Kanan Carter. That's where we are right now in terms of I got experience. Maybe Lyra gets some credit as well. But that's how thin things are. I give Wendy's, choose some credit too but that's how thin things are right now and this injury bug is not helping and it comes down to the training the conditioning the fitness they're going through at the pc something's not working right now to have a litany of torn acl injuries to the knee that is pressure being applied to the knee and if that's the case they need to overhaul the entire conditioning and fitness process in nxt because we named five people off top who are out eight to nine months with knee injuries. And I have never seen that with one singular issue being the ACL. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just the strength training, whatever they're doing at NXT right
2: now. uh, That's too much too fast because uh, you're supposed to be getting people ready for the main roster and healthy and conditioned for it, not pushing them to such a point where they break, and hopefully that you know what their breaking point is so you can avoid it in the future. Uh, that, that's not good coaching.
3: Not at all, and that needs to be completely revamped if that's the case moving forward. It's been talked about before regarding the Olympic training at the PC. If these injuries continue, it's time to overhaul the entire thing at this point, but it was a rough spring break-in. Not going to lie, this was not a very good show. There were some glimmers here and there. This was a weak week episode of NXT with injuries on top of it with call-ups incoming via the wwe draft which we'll get to right now very quickly as i run through night one of the 2023 wwe draft so notable rules this year it wasn't that three two rule for monday night raw we're the longer show we get more picks they cheated a bit because factions remain intact mostly but this was two for raw two for smackdown each round Four rounds total, we had some special guest presenters for draft picks. It was very weird that we had SmackDown and Monday Night Raw being represented as a singular entity. There was a war room for both shows, and we don't know who's running both shows. Definite choices on that. But let's run through the first four picks for Raw and SmackDown for this draft. Number one, unanimously, was obviously the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman being a package deal as the bloodline as the Usos get shaded heading into night two of the WWE draft. To Monday Night Raw is the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. To SmackDown, this pick pissed me off because here we go again. We got to swap titles. Monday Night Raw's Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair moves to SmackDown, and then Monday Night Raw gets Becky Lynch to wrap up round one. Scott, your quick thoughts on this and Bianca Belair, unfortunately now, having to swap belts to be retroactively a champion for 400 days for reasons that don't make any damn sense.
1: So what I'm hoping happens is instead of us getting the 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 awkward Becky Charlotte moment with uh, Rhea and Bianca, I'm hoping that maybe they just rename the title. She can keep her title, keep her reign, and maybe they'll just, you know, have it be like the WWE Women's or you know the WWE Women's Championship, and then there can be the the Women's title on Raw. That way she can keep her that run. Because I mean, what does that mean? Does she does she get another reign? Does her reign end? Does she get another reign when they swap the belts? Like how does that you know? I've never quite figured out that part either. Uh, the Becky Lynch thing. That's since you know they're separating them. Bianca on SmackDown is interesting. There's not a lot there except for Charlotte. So. We'll see what they do with that. Hi,
3: right, Jeremy, your take on round one of the draft.
2: Honestly, if this is in the pool of people, these would be the top four people. I would probably top four choices that I would take. Roman and his gang, Cody, Bianca, Becky Lynch. Yeah, I mean, they're Rhea's not in this pool. You know, we got the... You got the first night. I I firmly believe that the draft should be a special event. It should be on its own night. And you should just go up and down the roster, smack down raw, smack down raw, back and forth, get it all done in one night, and then just hit the ground running. But, you know, they got programming to do. And if we're going to, you know, slow it down and spread it out, these are the top four you should do, definitely.
3: I do agree with you there. As we move on around two. Of the draft. We have Rob Van Dam and Michael P.S. Hayes, been those random presenters ever for round two. To SmackDown, after Corey Graves declared they're breaking up, the Street Profits aren't SmackDown. All of Imperium have moved to Monday Night Raw. Edge moved to SmackDown, and Matt Riddle stays on Monday Night Raw. Jeremy, quick takes on these picks
2: when imperium went as the first pick of the second round i'm like oh my god gunther uh, they have huge plans for gunther uh that was just such a, a tell for them uh matt riddle was a surprise pick but you know sometimes you just gotta you, got, you gotta get a guy moved to the roster and move on and in the pecking order was just kind of interesting where he ended
3: up on there yes scott your take on round two of the draft
1: um, I like Edge going to SmackDown. I think it's he's going to challenge Roman one more time. That's, uh, to me, and I will talk about it again at the end, but this just felt like SmackDown loaded up with some guys that could challenge Roman.
3: Agreed. And on top of that, my favorite announcer in the world this day and age, Samantha Irvin, is going to absolutely kill Edge's entrance when it's time for her to do his in- in-ring introduction.
1: She's going to say that with her whole chest.
3: Her whole entire chest.
1: I need, I need that videoed. I need that captured.
3: Yes. Pack that
2: diaphragm. On. Oh, hey. my God. She, hey, I, I,
1: I've seen some people that give some, some pushback on her, which I completely don't understand. Oh, no. I, I think she is absolutely fantastic.
2: They're just haters, man. They're haters. Yes. You can't do what you can.
1: I've seen it all do. over, like the Discord and on the like on. The, I've seen it everywhere, and I'm like, how? What? How can you not enjoy listening to her? Like the passion that she has when she's a na- when she does Roman man. You Come can on. tell she's
2: like this. This is it. He's the guy. And Bottle I'm, I'm with it. Man. The people drinking that stuff. I gotta know. be.
3: I'd be shocked too. Like really, it's like few and far between with the pushback, but she's great at her job. Hypes up Gunther. Hypes up mm-hmm. the whole Imperium crew. The Usos, when she shops them out, she is on it. And to hear her introduce Edge very soon, I'm here for that as well. I love Samantha. Put some respect on her name, damn it, as we move on to round three of the WWE draft. Moving to, moving to Friday Night SmackDown is none other than Bobby Lashley, the almighty Bobby Lashley. To Monday Night Raw goes Drew McIntyre. Smackdown, the entire OC, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Meechan. And remaining on Monday Night Raw... Yeah. Um, Amazing. Um, the Miz. Scott, so, your takes. <laughs> so
1: couple things before I before I talk about one of the best draft picks USA Network has made in a while. Oh, shut up. Um, <laughs> you know, um real quick, you mentioned Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Are we going to talk about the fact that The Street Profits and Matt Riddle got drafted above them? Mm. Mm-hmm. What really? I'm not t- I'm not taking The Street Profits or Matt Riddle above Drew or Lashley in any draft. But I, you know, Whatever, whatever they want to do. Now, you know, you want to bag on the on the Miz pick, and I get it. You know, I get it. He's he's lost a couple matches, even though he had a really good match with Seth Rollins. But what you're getting with the Miz, okay? Not only are you getting an A list celebrity, top tier, um, you're also getting Miz and misses. You're getting a top tier reality TV show. I mean. Ask Luther how that turned out for him when he tried to have a reality TV show. Not everybody can do it, but Mike has got the key.
3: You know, whatever. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him being a great anchor for USA Network following Monday Night Raw via Ms. Miz and Mrs. Hopefully, they get renewed for another season because hopefully because now the Chrisleys are in prison and they can't do another season of their show. So, um, oh, you're right. They need Ms. and Mrs. You're right. Them. The Chrisleys are gone. They are gone to the pen for like a you right five to eight. So they need Ms Miz and Mrs. That's their last remaining hope.
2: Only two things guaranteed in life: death and taxes. The Chrisleys found that one out.
3: They- they surely did. The hard way. So Michael Mazan is helping them keep the lights on at the USA Network. You go, Michael. You go, boy. But um, I'm proud of him. Listen, when you're the last resort, take that check, honey. Take it. Hey,
1: you take that bag. Yes. You take that bag so George can buy his food truck.
3: <laughs> Get all four wheels on that food truck, okay? Right. Put some 20s on it, some 24s maybe two. So this
2: is the uh is the back end of the third round. That's where he ended up. You know what that says to me? If you were doing a fantasy football draft, you guys have done fantasy football, I'd imagine. Yes. Back end of the third round, you're going for that running back, wide receiver, not not top, not top talent, but you know. It's gonna get you points, it's gonna show up a couple of weeks throughout the season and make sure that they deliver and you know, they've had better days in the past, but you know, there's still a little bit of respect to the name, but you're you're gonna be disappointed that you didn't get another guy. And I don't know if that more accurately describes the Miz as a third round utility pick than anything that I can. Could- I mean he
1: I think the role he's in is perfect. He puts over all the baby faces, and whenever a celebrity comes in, he's the guy. So, yeah, I I think that's the spot-on analysis.
2: But I just hope he's not, like, the running back that shits out and basically you wish you didn't pick him there.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'm with you on that. I'm not trying to (laughs) – I mean, listen, I'm as big of a fan as you're going to get, but I'm not trying to see him main event any pay-per-views anytime soon. But he still can pull out a good match every now and then with the right opponent and – he, he does his role well. You know, he can hold, he, host the segments. And like I said, the celebrities that come in, he's been perfect to work with.
2: He's paid well for a reason. He is a respected elder statesman in all of pro wrestling. I even heard that CM Punk went to apologize to The Miz. That's amazing to me. That so, you know what? Good for you, Miz. You, you, you got some respect on that name. You've done it.
3: Michael Mazan humbled Phil Brooks. Can I
1: get an amen? Hallelujah.
3: Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. We got Phil Brooks on the wrestling apology tour, paying visits to Monday night raw and impact by the way, <laughs> Ballhead apparently. So he's just all around <laughs> trying to do make goods and apologize and do right and make sure you fly right. Because you know, just in case shit goes left, you know that you're, <laughs> you're laying the foundation. If you said, if nothing else, I can always come back to Impact. I can always go to Impact. <laughs> okay, just in case. I got contingency plans in place because based on what he's doing, um, some people not on board with this Saturday show just yet. <laughs> the ink ain't dry just yet. That's why Tony's big announcement has been delayed a little bit while longer. Just saying. Now it's time for round four of the draft. Final round of the night. We got Damage Control, all of them. Bailey, Dakota, Kai, or Sky moving to SmackDown. Shisuke Nakamura moving to Monday Night Raw. And for the first time in recorded history, when that graphic popped up, I ain't never seen shit in a kimono. Never. (laughs) (laughs) He looked good, though, in the kimono. (laughs) He ain't never wore a kimono a day in his life in WWE, but he looked fly. I ain't gonna lie. That was a sweet picture of him in that kimono. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to say to that? What do, you, what do you want me to say to you giving Shinsuke cheddar biscuits in the kimono? What, how am I supposed to respond to that?
3: I mean, he did look fly. He did. He yeah. always looked fly, but you're right. Yeah, that was that, that was a nice pick. It was.
2: <laughs> I mean, we all had to pay for it. It was, it was too beautiful, and Kroc took it all away from us. Though. I know
3: that bastard, but it was beautiful in the moment. That was a nice kimono. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. But then to SmackDown, surprisingly... We got an NXT call up, two in fact. It's the NXT women's tag team champions, the Witches, Alba Fire, and Isla Dawn. The Craft have moved on up to the main roster. Congrats to them. And then we have Scott's favorite tag team, Casey and JoJo, saying, hey, you ain't taking them to the main roster. We want our belts back on Tuesday. So we got a title match off top. I love the surprise. And then to Monday Night Raw is currently the NXT. Women's champion Indy Hartwell in her walking boot and she's up there and we got Grayson Waller, noted heel, hugging Indy Hartwell. So fuck Fabe doing this. So um, congrats to Indy. So Scott, thoughts on round four of the draft?
1: Um, I, I want everyone to remember that Mike The Miz was drafted ahead of Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, just don't forget that when you do that, your history well books. Well played.
3: Well played. <laughs> um, barely listen. by two picks.
1: Hey, hey, when you look back in the, the history. When the record book hey, printed, <laughs> there. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Listen, you know, Casey and JoJo have grown on me. I am surprised that they were not the ones that were actually picked, you know, but I get it. They want to take hocus pocus instead, and they're a good team as well. As I really like um, uh, Don, I think she's really good in particular. But uh, yeah, this was an interesting pick. the the uh, The Hartwell one still sh- sh- shocks me because she just won the title. Like, why are you calling them up? And you call you you called up literally all the gold in NXT, but you know anyway all right yeah that's all i got for that
3: yeah that wraps up night one of the wwe draft we have Shawn michaels and road dog make these last picks and sean was not happy about his champions being drafted even though they're getting a bump in pay and more visibility thank god for that and we're going to briefly get into the main event of smackdown involving a wrestlemania main event rematch featuring the undisputed wwe tag team champions kevin owens and sammy zayn versus the usos and if the usos don't win They in trouble. They are excommunicated from the bloodline just about. And I think Roman Reigns called in the kill order for Solo to take out his own brothers if they did not win last night on SmackDown. He was putting the tape on the thumb and Paul was like, you know what you got to do? Behind his brother's back, he was getting ready to do what he had to do, take out his own family. So, So the match itself was good, not as great as the main event of WrestleMania night one, Earlier this month, it was fairly even with with a lot of selling by KO, so selling the knee injury from a few weeks ago caused by Solo, a lot of selling by Sammy as well. Had Jay in several pinning predicaments via the Sunset with power bomb off the top of rope and a blue thunder bomb for a new fall. But eventually, we have the Usos double team Kevin Owens and then. We have Solo come out to cause a distraction to help his brothers win this match, potentially. And then Matt Riddle comes out to take out Solo backstage. And that enables Kevin Owens land a stunner. And Kevin Owens makes a tag to Sami Zayn and Sammy Lanz. The Haluva kick on Jimmy Uso to retain the SmackDown and Raw tag team titles. And the Usos are dejected. They cannot believe this. They are not drafted yet. They can be drafted on Monday Night Raw. Will they be with their Bloodline family? I don't know. But the visual of Solo watching over his brothers wondering, hmm, you got spared tonight. I don't know if you're going to be spared next time when I see you, but that is where the lines are drawn right now regarding the Usos and their association with the Bloodline. But Jeremy, your quick takes on this main event involving the Undisputed Tag Team Champs and the Usos.
2: I think, I think you nailed it. I think this was a really good match. It was not as good as the WrestleMania match that they had, but, uh, I am, I am firmly starting to get a little wary of the backlash WrestleMania redo portion. And I'm really hoping that we get to take a break between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and the Usos and the bloodline in general, after the backlash event in Puerto Rico, uh, More than likely, Sammy and Kevin won't be in uh, Saudi Arabia for that one. So maybe they'll be having feuding in a different direction. But yeah, it was a great match. Probably one of the best matches of the week. And, but we're, but we're in diminishing returns time and it's time to start pivoting in different directions. Uh, The. The majority of what they could get out of this angle for now feels like it has been mined and they need to go in a different direction. And I think that's where we're at right now.
3: Yeah, for sure. Love your takes on that. Scott, your take on the main event and where the bloodline goes from here.
1: Really good match. Um, you know, you <clears throat> you both touched on it. It's not as good as the WrestleMania match, but good match, solid SmackDown main event. Right, you know, I'm of the belief I want to see. You know, KO and Sammy fight some other teams. Like I thought, their match with the Street Profits was really good. So, um, you know, I I want to see more of that. Where the bloodline goes, I don't know, because clearly they don't watch TV. So, and their wives and family don't watch TV either, because nobody knows that Solo's about to attack them behind their back every time. Uh, so I don't know where they go. You know, from that, it's it's, it's just. You know, and I, I I'm fully expecting them to be separated. Also, so once they're separated, it's like all bets are off. What is? It's just Roman and Solo at that point, just those two, and then it kind of becomes what do you do without Jimmy and Jay? Because they were such a huge part of Monday Night Raw. I mean, both shows actually just fill in time. Whether it's in the ring, whether it's a beatdown. I mean, I can recall Raws where they would open the show, beat everybody up cut five or six backstage segments, and then main event the show. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about Jimmy and Jay going forward, especially if they're separated from the bloodline and what their story is with KO and Sami as tag champs.
3: I do wonder that too, because I assume that KO and Sami will be able to float between both shows and they'll be exclusive to one show whenever the draft is finalized. But yeah, that's going to be the tea here. Where do they go from here where they continue to mingle with Sammy because Sammy still wants Jay to see the light and hopefully they can play into that either on SmackDown on Monday Night Raw moving forward. But that is where the new angle lies. And I'm very intrigued by where we go from here, starting with night two of the draft on Monday. But before we wrap things up, let's talk about... The supplemental draft, the ongoing draft that went on today on the interwebs that had the timing all wrong. We were all confused. When is the draft picks dropping on Peacock? We were lost and confused. And I noted to my co host today that after today, after what we witnessed, I want to throw the whole draft away because we have some free agents, Omas, MVP. Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler, Von Wagner. Triple H tells us it's time to shake things up. It's time to reset the table. It's time to stabilize these shows. So please explain to me why the free agents are allowed to appear on both shows. Scott, tell me why.
1: Oh, I don't know. (laughs) man. (laughs) I, I, don't, I don't know why. Like what? And also again, make it make sense. Nobody wanted Omos. No, nope, I get and I know the thing is MVP had the contract negotiations to appear on both. I get it. No. Nobody drafted OMOS. Really? Like, come on, man. What are we doing? Um, you got Indy Hartwell in a boot. She ain't even gonna be able to wrestle for weeks at the least. But you don't want a Mustafa, a Dolph, or Omas. Like, I don't know. the 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 free agent thing is ridiculous. I I would have rather if you don't get drafted to Raw or SmackDown, you go to NXT.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why wouldn't you just do that? I think Mustafa Ali would be a nice, fresh a breath air in NXT. Him versus Dragon Lee and all these other guys. I think that would be a ton of fun. So, that, like. There are ways you can do this, just simple, easy ways that you can do this where it's like you're not trying to insult somebody's intelligence. And I know we got to turn it off a little bit for wrestling, but it's like, I'm not an idiot. You know, don't treat me like
3: one. I felt stupid today. I felt dumb. Like I watched this goddamn draft night one and you tell me, hey, the three agents, guess what? Wild card rules in effect. You can just flip your ass around both shows. Do what you will. Fantastic. Don't draft me. <laughs> don't draft me then. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. So for night two, I encourage everybody, don't draft me. I want to float. I want to be like Omos <laughs> and MVP and Dolph Ziggler and Mustafa Ali. I want to be able to do what the hell I want to do between these shows. Fuck a draft. But Jeremy, your take on this bullshit as we dive into actually did get drafted to these shows when it was all said and done.
2: I told you guys off the air before we started that the supplemental draft Saturday, the best 10 seconds of that day is finding out, like every year, where Lacey Evans is going to end up. <laughs> just just great stuff every time. I'm so excited. Is going to be raw? Is he going to be smacked And when I get it right, I'm excited. When I get it wrong, I'm just like, hmm, maybe next year. Maybe next year I'll get it right. But, uh, yeah, as, in addition to that, did you know Chelsea Green? Chelsea Green got drafted in the supplemental draft. but. Omos did not. Mustafa Ali did not. Dolph Ziggler did not. So, by the transitive properties, does that tell you that Chelsea Green is a more important wrestling talent than any of those people? I think so, yes. And for that, I want to give a shout-out to the Break for Impact boys, because they have done their work getting Chelsea Green where she needs to be.
3: Amen to that crew. They saw talent, they pushed it, and look where she is, drafted before the free agents who were able to float. On both shows. So maybe Chelsea is a loser after all, Jeremy. She's not getting two backs. She's she's a winner in my book. Oh, that's sweet of you. Now, as for the actual picks that went to SmackDown, Lacey Evans did land on SmackDown. She surely did. (laughs) Uh, All of Hit Raw remained together, so Michael Cole can shade top dollar every chance he gets. And that wraps up the SmackDown side of things on SmackDown. Then we get to Monday Night Raw, and they acquire all everybody um,
1: else
2: every- <laughs> <laughs> you got a three hour I mean, show
1: <laughs> when, I, when I looked at it because it's like it's it's like three people in Smackdown then literally you see like ten names on Raw like how did you who how did this draft the, happen this is
2: where this is where the extra pick for the first four round call ended up the 3-2-3-2 three, two, three, two, they all ended up at the end in the supplemental draft.
3: oh my god they found a way to cheat because it was like the, the disparity with those graphics like Smackdown got five people Raw got 25 am I exactly Exaggerating slightly, yes. But as Scott said, they got everybody else. They got all of Maximum Male Models, Mansoor, Massey, Maxine Dupree. We have Sonia Deville, Chelsea Green, Natalia. also getting picked up. JD McDonough and Apollo Crews gets a call from NXT as well as Zoe Stark. She gets called up. We have the Viking Raiders and Valhalla. We got Dexa Loomis getting called up. Candice LeRae getting called up. As Scott said, everybody else got picked up for Monday night raw. Congrats to you all as free agents still float around, but Scott, your take on the rest of Monday night raw getting these picks.
1: I'm extremely excited about JD being on raw. I, I know he's probably not going to win. And I, I've already seen some people saying he's probably going to be, you know, walking around with a box of lucky charms in about six months. I completely disagree with that. I, I, I think he's going to be fine. Like, I, I just think he's so good at what he does. And, like, I think the gimmick that he has where he's just attacking limbs and stuff, I'm I, i, I I'm really excited to have him on Raw. Like, I think he's going to be able to just put on good matches. You need to fill time. Let that man be the one to fill time.
3: A great pick. I think he's going to have great matches. Give me JD and Seth Rollins immediately that'd be great to see uh jd and gunther going at or it'd be lovely to oh see my as God, well don't
2: tease me like
3: that jd and
2: Cody. Gunther will kill him sorry <laughs> gunther gonna kill him
3: well he'll kill him in love Why not? jd
2: should join imperium before he fakes imperium
3: Hmm, not a bad idea
1: yeah that's interesting actually i don't i don't mind that i never thought about him being in the imperium but i don't mind that
3: now here's the one that's really attractive if Judgment Day are moved back together to Monday Night Raw, I don't know because Rhea's going to down so it might kill my hopes and dreams right there. But if it were to happen, we would have JD and Finn in the same vicinity. Pro to J,
2: Mentee. That's a that's Scoobian a scrappy dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> floating head.
2: <laughs>
1: floating Cindy, walk, of, Cindy walking around with a floating head. <laughs> no, nah, I think that I think that's a very good call and a very natural call up. I I actually like that idea and hope that's how they go.
3: You know, only with me would Scrappy Do be canon. Not only here, but on my GH podcast too. Scrappy Do is the moment. Not gonna lie. It never fails. Puppy power. God bless bless Scrappy Do. Let Let me at him. Let me at him. He was a little fighting little fucker, wasn't he? Love his little ass. But on a i got a
2: scrappy do at home
3: <laughs> <laughs> with that we've shouted out scrappy do on this show all love to him as we put a cap on night one part one of the 2023 wwe draft before we wrap up the special edition episode of the rap right here on the Fike media network it's now time to select the best damn television match we saw this week across monday night raw i think we can bypass being breaking this week's SmackDown main event and or NXT level up. So Jeremy, your pick for the best match you saw from WWE this week.
2: Oh man, there was one on NXT that I thought about saying it was my favorite. And if I was last and the other two were mentioned, I was going to do it. But I will tell you that I thought on the whole Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos was the best match. Honorable mention to Cody and Finn and... Obi-Fema versus Oromexa.
3: Fine picks. respect Oba picks. Femi.
2: Sorry, Oba Femi. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I did the Booker T.
3: Oh, well, at least you didn't say by enemies necessary a thousand times on the show. <laughs> that is progress. By enemies necessary. Damn it, Jeremy. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Scott, your pick for best match you saw from WWE this week.
1: I mean... The best match I probably saw was probably Cody Finn, but my favorite one was watching Braun Breaker destroy Andre Chase. I I thoroughly enjoyed I like Braun as heel, man. I'm, I'm here for this ride.
3: Me too. I forgot to mention he speared Carmelo through the cardboard stage. Love that visual. He is great as a heel. Long overdue for him. Andre Chase, I adore him. He might be teasing a call-up based on his Twitter message this past week as well. I felt bad for my homie. I think Chase, you lost your accreditation via that loss. But hey, they tried. (laughs) They tried on Tuesday to hold it together. But Braun was like, nope, you ain't getting no offense in on me. My apologies. It's all good. As for myself, best match was from SmackDown. I select Braun Strowman, Ricochet versus the Street Profits and the LWO. Really fun, high-flying match. Braun, good to see him back the missed Concussion. There was a funny moment because he was legit knocked out last week. He did not remember what he was doing. And he picked up Ricochet and they played into that during the match. And Ricochet's like, dude, hell no. But he trusted him. And I thought it was cute. It was a nice way to play on what happened last week. Because thank God Braun's okay to compete again. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Braun has been doing great work. Since since his return to WWE a few months ago.
1: You already know I've been on the bandwagon, so I think Braun's been great. In the role he's been asked to do, he's been great.
2: Yeah. If I'm Braun, I don't want to be right.
1: Well,
3: there's that.
2: What yep. I had to end it on that note. I really did.
3: You just had to, didn't you? Okay. I
2: really did. <laughs> and with You the- have to take it home now. You have
3: to end it. <laughs> I have no other choice. We've ran the gamut today on this show. This now is the official pen on this week's wrap right here on the Fight Media Network. I want to thank Jeremy and Scott for joining me today as we recap a crazy, busy weekend in WWE, including night one of the clusterfuck known as the WWE Draft.
1: Well, thank you, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE, especially when the Lakers are moving on to, you know, <laughs> face the sacramento kings and the warriors and the hawks are both sitting at home watching the king chase his crown it's a it's a wonderful day here on the wrap and thank you jeremy for coming on it's always a pleasure to have you back on y'all make sure you check out strong style
2: thanks guys uh you, you've covered all the basics. i'm really glad that i got another opportunity to spend some time with you guys talk about some wwe and get it out of the system <laughs>
3: He feels like I've purged it all out now. I'm good. For the know. Oh God, we we cleansed this man. I don't
2: have to this, talk about this ever again. <laughs> this is my therapy.
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> this is therapy for you at least twice a month.
2: Yeah. just I don't have to talk about WWE anywhere else. I get it all out of my system. And uh, people have to hear me. It's great.
3: I'm so glad we provide we provide that outlet for you to just vent your feelings right here. Public
2: service announcement, mutually beneficial destruction.
3: <laughs> on the wrap, we thank you, Jeremy, for your service to just let it all thank out. You. And for Scott, you know what? Very bold words coming from you. This is on tape. We'll play it back next week when we talk about, hopefully, Game 3, Lakers-Warriors.
1: I hope not, man. I... <laughs> getting too old to be having this type of anxiety over basketball games. I'm not even playing.
3: We need our beef. We've been waiting all year for this. We've been waiting eight months for this beef to arrive at our front door. It must happen. But the Warriors must win game seven on the road. But until then, we'll be back next week. Next Sunday morning, in fact, recapping the highs and lows of WWE Backlash going down live in San Juan, Puerto Rico, hosted and fought by Bat Bunny. It's going to be a fun show. I can't wait to cover it with Scott next Sunday morning right here on The Wrap via the Fikin Media Network. So for myself, for Salty Scott Young and for Jeremy Finestone, that's a wrap on all things WWE this week. Take care